Thank you, Brother Eric. God is so faithful and good, and we have the opportunity to praise Him this morning, and uh, super excited about all God's doing in the house and in, our, in my life, and I know in your lives as well. Um, if you don't know myself, I'm Brett Fisher. This is my lovely wife, Paige, and uh, we are tag-teaming this morning. So we actually were very, very, very moved by the Spirit two weeks ago when um, Pastor Eric preached the Word, and he basically gave a call. And anybody who was hungry, anybody who was thirsty, anybody who had a desire to get into God's Word and to hear God talk to you personally— and I, I didn't, I mean, it was somewhere between 40, somewhere around 40, 45 people went, came forward. And I was, I basically sat in my seat and Paige and I talked about it afterwards. I'm like, wow, there are that many people in this house that are hungry for God and hungry for God's word. That's awesome. And so that was super exciting to be a part of. And then basically spirit spurred a moving. Um, she got the same spirit movement I did, Eric Tom did, so here we are today. I'm going to pass on the baton first to Paige. She's going to hit it off with us, and uh, then I'll be back up in a little bit. All right. So I'm really excited because as we've started praying about what to share with you and how to go about sharing it to just really dig into God's word, um, he took us to um, the passage in John chapter 15. So we're going to be focusing on the vine and the branches. Let me just ask how many of you are already familiar with this passage? Yeah, there's quite a bit of people um, that are familiar with it. And here's the awesome part about, about God's word is it's living and it's active. And we can always learn something in it. And so even if you've read it a hundred times, I'm going to tell you, you're going to get a new layer today. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does in us, right? He just really moves in us. But I'm going to ask a favor of you. If you have a cell phone, I'm going to ask that you put it up for this time. God wants to speak to you this morning. And he has something he wants to say. And every Sunday when somebody is up here, God is using them to speak his word to you. And I know cell phones are important. I mean, you know, I've had it where I've needed to know, you know, because my dad was in the hospital at that moment. I get those moments. But if it's going to be a distraction for you as we're getting into his word, I'm just going to ask that you put it on silent and put it under you. If you use it to read his word, fine. But if you've got notifications that come in that are going to distract you, maybe just put that out of the way and look at what's on the screen because we already got the scripture up here. Because he's got a plan. Okay, so um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then um, I'm going to have Cohen go ahead and uh, put it up on the screen where we're going to be going, and then we will get going. So, Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you this morning for this opportunity that we have to get into your word, that we have to share um, what it means to abide in you. God, you have a plan for every single person that is in this room, and I want to thank you for that, and I want to ask that you would individually speak to each and every single one of them what it is that you have for them. You know their wants, you know their desires, you know their struggles, you know their challenges, and you are holy and sovereign and good over it all. I'm just excited to see what you're going to do. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, Cohen, you got this for us? Maybe. All right. Nope. Nope, not, not that. Not yet, not yet. Go backwards. We show in that one later. <laughs> okay, we so we're going to, um, so today we're abiding with the vine, perspectives on developing the disciplines of spending time with Jesus. And if you are like me, you like to know um, where we're starting, where we're going, and when we're ending, right? Because you like lunch. So um, we've got it kind of laid out for you of a breakdown of how we're going to go about. So, oh, you're, you're clicking the slide. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Do you want me to click it? This is part of tag teaming. We haven't really practiced this part. 
just that goes forward. Okay. I got the power. Okay. So um, we're going to go through uh, trusting the vine dresser, dresser, time with the vine, and tasting the victory. The first and third points, we're going to just kind of, you know, they're smaller parts. We're going to spend a majority of our time in the time with the vine because we think that's where we need to dig deeper in what we're going to do. And then we'll have some action plans as we go into tasting the victory that you can do. So we're going to go into first trusting the vine dresser, which is John 15, one through three. So let's go ahead and read this. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So let's define a few things in this as we uh, get into this. Um, Because I'm one that likes to go deep into some of the words. (laughs) Some. Uh, First off, the vine. Jesus is the vine. That's who we're talking about here. He's the word of God. He's our friend. And Tom talked about that last week, how he is our friend. Um, So that is who we're addressing there. The vine dresser, or in some translations, it says the gardener, is Father God. And he's sovereign over all, and he is good. And it's important that you remember that, that he is good, and he has good in mind for you. Prune. A lot of people don't like this word when they see it in a passage. So... But um, cathario, I think is how you pronounced it, um, when you went into it a little deeper, it's the process of cutting off good and bad parts of a branch so that you can produce greater future harvest. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means, both in an actual grapevine and in our own life. And then clean. As I dug into this word and we were going into the scripture of it, I thought it was interesting how Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So when I dug into that, it really was talking about the fact that in Christ, we've already been made whole and pure. So when we accept him into our life, when we ask him to forgive our sins, when we say that we want him to be our Lord and Savior, guess what? We clean. And so that's where he's starting with his disciples right here. He's saying, you are clean. And um, so as we go into that, I want you to remember this is the part then that he's talking about where a lot of us have accepted Christ and now it's like, well, now what? Okay. So into the next part, the vine dresser's view of the brain, or or brain, our brain, branch, Um, God's story in your individual life. Um, So as we're looking at our own individual life, sometimes we can go through our life and just think, it's just me. I'm just trying to make it through today. (laughs) I've had those thoughts. I don't know how many of you guys had, but when we are a part of this branch that, that Jesus is talking about in here, we have our own individual story within God's story. He has a plan on our life. And a lot of times we don't think that, you know, he's got great plans for us, but he also gives us new clothing. He has things that he's created for us to do and we are to go do them. And it's amazing how, when you really connect with him and the vine, how you find out what this is. But what we don't always realize is that we are also part of a bigger story in a bigger community. God has a story within us that is within the community around you, your church, your work, your school, where you go exercise, whatever hobbies you are in, it's a part of a bigger community, and he sees it all. And not even that, it's like our church and this church and that church, and he sees all of those churches and then churches across the world, the people in Honduras. Like He sees it all, and our story is a part of the bigger story. So a lot of times when we're walking along in life, we have to remember he's got a bigger plan. 
and it involves us, but it also involves more. And that excites me, especially as we go into the seasons of our life. Um, now, there are parts about Indiana I absolutely love. I love fall. Fall is one of my favorite times of year, not so much the winter months. I'd rather be in Colorado if it's going to be winter so I can ski. But we have four seasons here that we get to you know, prominently see. There's a spring, summer, fall, and winter. And what we find is that those have different um, elements that it brings to our lives. And we can talk about it you know, both spiritually but also physically. But in the grapevine um, it growing, it also has seasons. So when Jesus was talking to the disciples, they were really familiar with the agriculture of growing grapes. How many of you have a grapevine in your backyard? Yeah, me neither. I didn't have one either. And so I really wanted to dig into this because I thought, okay, if this is something he's describing to the disciples, and I want to understand how it has, you know, understanding for me. I'm not going to be able to understand it. So I went in and I started studying a little bit about the development of a grapevine. Like I wanted to know, does it go through seasons? How long does a grapevine last? How do they produce things? So about the early spring, there's a bud that breaks. And this is an exciting time because this little bud is starting to grow. But it's also for the vine dresser or the gardener that is taking care of it a concerned time, too, because if an early frost comes in, it can wipe that bud out. And so they really have to tend to it and take care of it and watch out for it. Um, and then a lot of times also, some of the, you know, they might do a little bit of pruning during this time of the shoots that, you know, to make them go downward. And so there's a little tending that goes on in the early spring as buds are breaking. Then, as you get into the next stage, there's a flowering stage. This is where the bud turns into a flower. And some flowers don't fully come out, and they'll just fall off and die. But a lot of flowers that do, they, um, they'll start to grow. And it's an exciting time because it's like the fullness of this potential of this flower. Like, it's an exciting time to see what's going to happen with it. And what I found really interesting was it's self-pollinating, meaning it doesn't need a bee to come along and pollinate it. It self-pollinates itself as it starts to grow. Between the flowering stage, it starts to um, develop little green grapes, okay? This is where pruning comes in. Because pruning, what happens is, is if you have too many grapes, the grapes won't grow to the fullest potential they have. So the gardener or the vine dresser has to go in, and he has to determine which you know, grapes are dead, they're not going to grow anymore, which ones are, eh, that's not growing in the right direction, and so he'll take that off, and he prunes them away. And I studied that if you don't prune a grapevine, um, for, for one, it makes it more susceptible to fungus. Like, fungus can grow within the vine, and then it won't grow. Uh, your grapes won't be as flavorful nor as big. And so by pruning it backwards in a way, you actually get a fuller grape, a more flavorful grape. So it's a necessary part of this um, of this process. Then it begins to ripen, which is um, where the color starts to come in. The flavor starts to come in. Is it a white grape? Is it a red grape? You know, what size of grape? It's, to, it's a great time to be able to see what your harvest is going to look like. And then you go into harvest. Harvesting is usually a time of celebration, right? Because you have all these grapes. They, um, they pull them off the branch and then they use them for what they were intended to be used for. And so harvesting is usually a celebration. But then look what comes next. There's this winter months, and it's a dormant month. It's where it's cold. Um, the branch can look dead. Uh, the vine dresser will go through, and he will actually do a little bit of pruning on it as well. Um, sometimes he even buries it under the ground, or she buries it under the ground to protect it from the elements. And I even read that sometimes the snow will actually protect 
um, the grapevine as well. So when I looked at these in the season of a grapevine, as Jesus is talking about, I am the vine, you are the branches, I went, okay, well, in a Christian's life, we have this budding that begins to happen. You accept Christ, you're clean, and you're starting this to grow, right? And you've got this little bud. But you're susceptible to some of the elements that start coming at you, right? Because you've just stepped out of the old life into the new life. And there are things that can come at you, but the gardener sees it all. And it's really important at this time that you allow yourself to be remain in the vine because he's going to protect you from a lot of those elements that are there. And then the bud begins to flower. This is the exciting time that I think some of us are in right now. We're just starting to discover, ooh, I got a place here. I got gifts. What? This is who I am in Christ? You mean I don't have to be stuck in that sin anymore? It's a, it's a time of just awakening in your mind of, wow, I can't wait. I have so much potential. But then we get to a point where we're pruned. And nobody likes to be pruned. Um, it's a pain. It can be a very painful process. And for me personally, um, when we were going through infertility, we had about seven years before we brought Samuel home from Bulgaria where I feel like we were in this pruning stage. And it was a painful stage, but it was a growing stage, right? Because the pruning is happening as these grapes are growing. And I remember crying out to God, why is this happening to me? I don't get this. Have you forgotten me? Did I do something wrong? Is, I mean, everybody else is having kids. What aren't we doing? You know, all the things that go through your head. And I dug deep into him. And during that time, if I wouldn't have remained in him, you know what I would have become? A dead branch. And we're going to talk about that in the next part with Brett. But you don't remain in him. You become dead. And so it took every effort at, at first for me to remain in him. But as I did he started to prune things away from me. Some of it was good stuff of Paige. You know what? This is good, but it's not best. I think you need to come over here. But he also started to bring up in me the things I was struggling with. So real moment. You ready? So I used to watch soap operas. (laughs) They're the dumbest things ever. But I used to, they were so popular when I was growing up, you know, that I just, I watched them. The junk that's in that, like, it's terrible. And during this time, the Lord started revealing that to me. Like, why are you putting your time into this page? The storylines in this are everything that's against my character. Not to mention you're wasting your time when you could be going to do this, right? And so um, now I look back on that, I'm like, oh my word, those are the most stupid shows I have ever watched. But he pruned me during that time because I was in his word. And for you, it might not be a soap opera, but... Maybe you're watching something that doesn't f- reflect the character of God, and maybe you've been, God's been trying to work on you on that. I don't know. But all I know is that he pruned me in that. And when he did, I went deeper into his word, and I dug deeper, and I saw more, and the fruit that you start to grow is more. So pruning can be painful, but it can also be a blessing to you. And then the harvest is when we get to celebrate what God is doing, right? Because there are, there are points in our lives, in our Christian life, that we see the fruit of what's happening, and guess what? He gets the glory for it, and we'll talk more a little about that as well. But then we go into dormant seasons, and these dormant seasons are hard. I think these are the ones where we're like, God is silent, and we're like, where are you? Are you even here? Um, and he's not, he's still there, but sometimes we need a rest for a dormant season, right? We're not dead. We're just in a restful time. Maybe it's more peace for that we need. Maybe we just need to take a sabbatical. Maybe we need to, you know, get some solitude. But there is a dormant season in our lives. But that just gets us ready for the next phase of 
budding because this is a constant thing. I read that um, a grapevine, in you know, for real, can um, if it's well tended, thirty years up to hundred years, it can keep reproducing grapes right? That's us too. This is a cycle that we go through over and over and over again. So I already did that one. He, so God, the vine dresser knows you. He sees you and guides you at each stage of your spiritual development. He is watching and he's watching over you and he sees everything about you. So now I'm going to tag team Brett. All right. Thank you, Paige. Great, 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 great stuff. So what's interesting about this, uh, this, this vine dresser is uh, he, he, this is the one that's the sovereign and good. He sees it all. And so we can trust him. We can trust him with the big story of our life. We can trust him with all, all, everything that's going on. And, but but the, the thing, next thing he does is he challenges, because he challenges us to abide, which is spend your time. Where are you spending your time? And he challenges us to spend his time, our time with him. So let's read this in John 15, 4 through 6. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather, him, gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now let's dig into this a little bit further because there are some things that we wrestle with when we, have, we ask this question. And I think it's interesting when we ask this question is, Paige kind of brought these seasons out, the you know, the winter, spring, summer, fall. There's the I'm God's working on me as the vine dresser, but then there's also this God's working on the community. And, and we might ask ourselves, why are we not bearing fruit? I know I have many times over the years have said, God, why? Right now, there's nothing happening. Why isn't there fruit? And it might be because of the season I'm in. Maybe I'm in dormant season, and that's why I'm not bearing fruit. But it might be because I've got a sin that I'm secretly hiding that I'm not really confessing. That also could be a reason why I'm not abiding. It also could be, this is kind of a weird thought when we wrestled with the fertility part, we started recognizing, guys, I don't know about you, but when Tony shared that video and those BBs were hitting that can, Tears were flowing down my face. And I'm like, Lord, have mercy on a nation that's not going to take care of its life, that's not going to take care of its unborn. And I love you, and I love the church, and I love this nation, but we are the fault of that because we don't stand up and we don't speak. All right? Now, hear that. From here when I say this, we had to recognize that our infertility was not a judgment on our sin. But why is God going to bless a nation with life when the entire nation is sinning? That's community. That's the reality of the community in. And we're in a dormant season as a nation, and we have to recognize and repent. As a nation, we have to repent. Because God 
sees and knows. And that's, there's a lot of scripture that supports that. There's a lot of scripture where Abraham and Sarah, and they go into, they go into, the, in, into Abimelech's town, and they're in the midst of it. And, and, he, and basically they say the entire nation of Abimelech's nation was infertile. Why? Because Abraham and Sarah lied. And they lied about it. And they lied about their relationship. So there's a lot in there that we can keep going about. But, there's, but it could be the season the community's in of why you're not, not, why you're not producing fruit. It could be a combination of all these things. So there's a lot of reasons why fruit might not be buried, might not be happening. Let's dig into what these words mean. Abide means meno, to remain, to wait, to stay. Branch, that's you. You're the branch. If you abide, we bear much fruit. If we don't abide, we're thrown away. And so as we dig into this and we look at this, we recognize that there's this process of abiding that is actually the process that the vine dresser sees and he takes and tends that vine to produce great, much fruit into the future and we have to surrender to that. But guess what? We have an enemy. First Peter 5.8, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He doesn't want you to bear fruit. The devil does not want you to succeed. He does not want you to be fair. He wants you to look at your dormant season of your life and say, oh, I'm miserable. I'm such a fool. I, I'm woe is me. I'm, I. You're just in a dormant season, guys. It's okay. God knows, the vine dresser knows. He knows where you're at. He, and yeah, you might have to have some pruning done in that season. I know I have in plenty of seasons, but the devil wants you to twist it and turn yourself inward and just pity, 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 pity. And that's not what happens. That's not what the truth is. The truth is that God is sovereign and wise and good over the whole season that you're in. He's good over the whole community that you're in. So, this is an interesting thing. He also says in Romans 12, verse 2, that there's a pattern in the world. And so I'm going to talk about this in a funny, in a, in a comical way. But um, you have a life decision to make, okay? Today, my life decision is I'm going to start walking around backwards. And so everywhere I go, all I'm going to do is walk around backwards. And I get to the front up here, and all of a sudden somebody says... Yep, and I could fall. And life decision, I'm, I'm walking. You know what? I'm choosing it. I'm liking it. It feels good for me. And notice we're going backwards. It works for me. And then you get to the bottom. I'm okay with this. You know what? You know what? I love this walking backwards so much. I love it. I'm going to find others who agree with me. I'm going to start a walking backwards club. And everybody's going to walk backwards with me. And guess what? Now we like it so much. Now we're always walking around backwards. It's a pattern. It's a habit. It's a lifestyle that we choose to live. And the Lord says very specifically in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be, by, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be approved and to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Sometimes the reason we don't know what God's will is is because we're spending so much time following the pattern of the world that we're not stepping into and preparing ourselves to, to actually seek God because his will is good, perfect, and pleasing. But when we do that and we prepare ourselves in that way, then we can see things. What does walking backwards look like? 
Maybe it's you say something you don't want to say. You do something you don't want to do. You watch something you don't want to watch. You eat something you don't want to eat. You go back to sleep, though you're, you really want to exercise. You go to your phone game instead of your Bible app. You go to the work email instead of ha- having an engaging relationship with your spouse over the date that you've been looking forward to. Guilty. Go to TV instead of worship music. We go to my way instead of God's way. Walking backwards. I'm living in the pattern of the world and everything's going great and I think it's great because I'm, I'm walking backwards. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When you're in the Bible, there's a a reality of spending time with God's word and abiding in him that you make this life decision, ooh, should I walk backwards today? And then all of a sudden, I choose it, but I don't really feel good about walking backwards. I recognize that it's not wise and it's not really making a lot of sense. And then go, guess what? You say, God, you know what? I'm wrong. I repent. I am sorry, Lord. I, don't, I, am, I have recognized that I have walked backwards too long. Will you forgive me? And then you, every single time you ask that question, every single time he's going to forgive you. No questions asked. He's going to forgive you every single time. And then there's a new life decision. Do I still walk backwards and I go back to my old way? Or do I go forward and I walk in a new way? And I start new in a, inserting a new discipline in my life. Apostle Paul clearly picks this out in Romans 7, verse 15, and he says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I don't want to walk backwards. But I keep finding myself walking backwards over these things. I don't want to do. But I keep finding myself doing this. I want to be obedient, and I want to follow the Spirit, but I can't. I keep falling into this trap. Why? And this is really what the cycle is. Again, right there, do I do it again? I do it again, but I know I don't want to. I repent. I ask forgiveness. Forgiveness granted. Do I do it again? Yes, I do it again. And you get get in this cycle, and it just keeps And this is what happens when we don't abide in the Word of God. And it'll even happen sometimes when you do abide in the Word of God, which is why you need the Word of God to keep you coming back to the main purpose of what God is doing in your life. And this is the reality um, of John chapter 6, verse 63, where he says, the flesh has no value. And we're going to dig into this a little bit more, but the flesh is what he's talking about here in Romans before we get into some practical reality of how Paige and I tackle this in our own lives and how we're doing this. So, um, Cohen, now you can play that video. to a church on New Year's Eve. You can get you a new gym membership. You can even cut you out some magazines with your homies and make you a vision board. At the end of the day, nothing means nothing if you lack discipline. The only thing that you're missing is discipline. 
The problem is that you wake up when you want to wake up. You eat when you want to eat. You pray when you want to pray. You post when you want to post. You spend money when you want to spend money. You are a slave to yourself. You do exactly what you want to do when you want to do it. Then you want to know why you don't get the results out of life. You don't need another life coach. You need some discipline. You lack discipline. It's time for you to change your mindset and get serious about this thing that you say you want out of life. It ain't going to fall out the sky and it sure ain't going to happen with them old habits. Go on and change your mindset and watch how your life change. Get you some discipline. Learn how to tell yourself no in this season and watch how you grow. Watch this. So who's just a little bit convicted? Who, who needs a little bit of discipline? Who needs a lot of bit of discipline? I need a lot of discipline, right? It's hard. This is hard. This is hard work. Why? Because you're worn against your own flesh. It's a price that Christ already paid for on the cross, but we're warring against our own flesh and trying to fight a battle that we can't win. We can only win it by submitting to what Christ has done on the cross and recognizing that he's the spirit that's alive and he's able to change our lives and transform us. But we got to have a better mindset. Romans 8, 5 through 8, for those who are in accordance with the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. If you're walking in your flesh, you're setting your mind on the flesh. But those who are in accordance with the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death. The mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset of the flesh is a hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When you're in your flesh, you are not abiding in the word of God, and you cannot please God. Now, again, this is so hard because it feels like judgment, judgment, judgment. And the reality is in this space that when you're wrestling with this, that's when you have to put this in the context of seasons. Am I in a dormancy season? Don't point yourself down and beat yourself down because God's allowing you to be in a winter season for a while. He's going to prune some stuff off of you. And that's okay. Let that happen. But the reality is that there's also a spring coming and we need to be in preparation for it. And we got to recognize that it takes a new mindset to get there. It takes a new mindset. God cannot build to, this is my favorite, one of my phrases I say a lot. Whatever got you to this point in your life will not get you to the next point in your life. What got you here will not get you there. It take, it's a lot more work to get to the next stage. There's a lot more discipline. There's a lot more things that have to come into play. So this is a reality, okay? When I started out, I had a discipleship group that I was a part of in the church um, when Pastor um, Mark, Mark was at a, the last church we were at. And he, we started this group, and we had a little thing we were supposed to do every day and getting the word of the God every day as we were doing it for a group. And guess what? Every day, every morning before I got up, I would sleep through my alarm clock. Every single day, I slept through my alarm clock. That bed was so warm. It was so cozy. I didn't want to get up. Okay? And here's the reality of it. I had to recognize 
something about this. And this verse was a very convicting to me. And this is something that I, I'm going to share. And this is, this is the verse that I, I forced myself to memorize. Romans 6, 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone, uh-oh, I'm supposed to sing. Right. <laughs> so, um, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves to the one you obey? Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So, guess what? My bed's nice, cozy, warm over here in bed. We didn't have kids. So if you have a new baby in the house, you better get permission to do this, okay? I put the alarm clock in the other room. Not, not just next to me, but it's in the other room. And so literally that alarm clock would go off, and there were times that Paige would hit me because I wasn't awake enough to hear the alarm clock in the other room. Okay? And this is what I would have to say when, I get, when I'm walking to the, the alarm clock. I'm a slave to the one I obey. 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 If I'm a slave to sin, I'm a slave to slothfulness. If I'm a slave to slothfulness, I'm going to go back into bed. But I'm a slave to obedience because I know God's doing a work in me and my flesh has to die and I have to see what God's going to do in my life and he's not going to do it in my life unless I abide in him. I have to figure this out. By God's grace, I am a slave to the one I obey. And I had to put it aside. I had to. And then, wow. Oh, guess what? God showed up. God showed up. And this guy started surrendering. And this guy started realizing something. Oh, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I don't belong to my flesh any longer. You rescued me from my flesh. I belong to you, Jesus. And then I learned this in Romans chapter 1, when Apostle Paul opens up this, he says to himself, I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. And we look at slavery and we say, that's bad. But in the Old Testament, you know what they did? If I was a slave to a a slave owner... I worked my life for no money and I actually had to do what he told me to do. And then after a series of time, I could go free. Okay, guess what? When I could go free, now I have a choice. And this is what the apostle Paul says when I'm a bond slave to Jesus Christ. He would say, I'm gonna say yes I want to go back into slavery, not because I have to, but because I want to. That's what a bond slave to Christ means. And they actually, in the Old Testament, they would actually take their ear, put it up to the doorpost of the owner of the slave, and they would drive a nail into their ear to say that I'm going to be a slave by choice. Because my flesh is no longer in charge Christ is in charge of my life, and now I am free to live the life that he has for me. That's what it means to say, Abba, 
I belong to you. Abba, I recognize that you're my daddy. You're my father. You love me better and greater than anything that I've ever done. I understand. And so that's the reality of what I've had to do. Now, granted, I'm pretty thick-skinned. I got a thick head, and I'm stubborn, flat-out stubborn. I want things my way. And here's the reality. So often, it even happened today as I'm reading the Word of God. I'm like, dang it, Lord, I don't know. But that's really what's happening. There's an ongoing relationship where I have to continue to die to myself. I have to continue to die to my flesh. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. So, let's get a little practical. Let's get practical. I've had people say to me all the time, but Brett, I've even had a friend say to me, Brett, I wake up at 3.45 to go to the gym so I can get to my workout in before I go to work. You mean I have to get up at 3 to do my Bible study? And I'm like, no, I don't think that's what God means. You are free. You are free. But I will tell you this, I believe your time with the word and biding with the word is a discipline of the firsts. What, is the first, what does that mean? What does discipline of the first mean? First thing when you wake up in the morning. That's when I chose to discipline myself to get there. Okay, that's fine. It might not be you. you might, your body might not be that kind of a clock, okay? First thing at lunch. Can you spend 10 words in the Word of God in your car at lunch instead of eating or playing video games or do, checking your email or doing whatever you're doing? Can you give them 10 times at lunch, 10 minutes at lunch? Maybe first thing after work, before you jump into your after, after work activities, whatever the first thing at work after work does, or maybe first thing after dinner. Whatever first is for you, you find that first because you're setting your mind that I'm changing my life and I'm going to draw this line in the sand. I'm nailing my ear to the door and I'm saying, no, this is my first. Okay? Now, how many of you have kids? A lot, of, a lot of disruptions with kids, right? Right? And as you go and as you're developing this discipline and as you're growing in this discipline, guess what? Kids interrupt your disciplines, and that's okay. Paige, tell us a little bit about who this lady is over here. I could. Oh, no, no, I no, don't. no I'm it's not me. On. Go. I am? No. No, it was me. Was it way. was me. Go. Okay, so this is uh, Suzanne Wesley, and um, she is the mother of uh, John and Charles Wesley. Have any of you guys heard of them by chance? Okay. So um, I love her story, and I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard, but I think she had 19 children. <laughs> And every day they, they say that people that observed her, one of the things that they noticed is that she would at one point in her day take, I believe, her apron or a blanket and put it up over her head. And during that time, she would study the word of God. And when her kids saw that, they knew that she was spending time with Jesus. Now, I'm sure she had older siblings taking care of younger siblings. I don't know. But I thought it was an interesting story because when I was in the middle of my mothering, 
And you're, I think you're on now. No, no, no. I am not on. Here, Tom. This is where we get to be close as we're talking. Okay. So um, I just always thought, thought it was really interesting when I was a. Oh, what did I do? <laughs> I am made perfect through Christ, Tom. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you, Tom. Are we glad we have Tom? Um, so I just always found it really interesting, her story, because when, um, you know, for about seven years, we didn't have kids, and I got into the discipline of the word, and I was, I was, I did, I was a morning person. My dad was in the Navy, and so every morning, even on Saturdays, he'd have me up and my friends between 6 and 7 a.m. He didn't think we should be able to sleep in. Like, we needed to get up and get out and get out the door. And so I was never one to sleep in. Um, and so I was always up early. So for me, getting up in the morning was never an issue. But finding time to get into the Word always seemed to happen. And so then when I was a mom, it was, you know, it got a little bit harder. Um, but in the beginnings, when I was starting to study the Word of God, I grew up in a church. I grew up in a youth group. And many of you have grown up in the church. But I never studied the Word of God. I never made it a discipline at all. And even through college, I didn't. But you know what I found myself doing was praying to him. And I would pray to him as I walked to and from places all the time. And, um, and I don't know why. I was still walking in some of my sinful ways, and yet I would pray to the Lord on the way to class. And I would back and forth. But here's what I find really interesting. He was wooing me during that time. And pay attention to those still small voices in your head, those little drawings that are drawing you, because that's him talking to you. And if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. And I think... We live in such a society of distractions, which is why I had people put their cell phones up, because God sometimes speaks in those still, small voices that he wants you to hear, and we're missing it. And if I had a cell phone in college, I probably would have missed it, because it was while I was walking. I didn't have anything else. I didn't have a cell phone. I was just walking, and I was listening, and I had no choice but to listen at that point. And so he was drawing me. And um, so he drew me in that way, and um, Brett and I got married, and I was 22, and my mother-in-law asked me, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, I want a women's devotional Bible. And so this is my women's devotional Bible, um, and I find this really interesting because, look at this, I don't know if any of you guys have a Bible like this, like <laughs> it's falling apart, like it's one of these. Um, it's got Bob the tomato in the front. It's got Bob the tomato <laughs> in the front for VeggieTales. Um <laughs> It's my Bible study, <laughs> Veggie Tales. Here's what was interesting about this, though. It literally was a, here's the scripture passage, Exodus 10 through 14. Here's a little devotional that was written by somebody. That's Thursday. Go to page 109 for your next devotion. I would flip it, put my bookmark in it, and close. Five minutes. That's how I started. I wasn't in-depth. I didn't know how to study the Word of God. I didn't know there were Bible studies that existed. I just knew that I was hungry for Him, and I needed to start getting in the Word of God. Don't make it complicated. Don't make it have to be perfect either, because I was not. I just wanted to get to know Him and get in the discipline of it. So I started here, and probably for a good year I did it. I mean, it is falling apart, but I've kept this because this is such a special piece to me because it reminded me of where I started with the Lord. And if that's you, start here. You don't have to make it complicated, okay? Then as I went on and, um, you know, we, we went through life and everything. Um, whoops, I'm going to knock everything down. Um, 
I started getting into Bible studies because I didn't know how to study the Word of God. I couldn't look at a passage for me. It was very hard for me to look at a passage and ask myself what I got out of it because I didn't even understand what was in the passage. <laughs> you know, like the vine and the dresser and all that. I didn't even, I wouldn't have understood all of that. And so I started picking up Bible studies by, you know, like Nancy Lee DeMoss and all the, and you guys are doing great ones on Wednesday nights. And I, because they would go into history of it. So this is what started my guiding, 10 to 15 minutes then that I would get into the Word of God. When I became a mom, it became a lot harder to get in. So sometimes I would just put a scripture on the window where I did dishes. Seriously. That's what I did. And I would just read that or have it on a mirror somewhere. Or maybe I, you know, would read a, a book to the kids that had scripture, something. But I didn't beat myself up if I didn't get to spend 20, 30, 40 minutes in the Word of God at that stage of life. That was a season for me. And I was still growing. Now, if I were making lots of excuses, you know, oh, I couldn't get up. Oh, I couldn't get up. Oh, I could. Then you got to redirect a little bit. But that's where accountability comes in. Very shortly after we moved here, uh, many of you guys know Carmen Cash. Her and I became accountability partners. And we met every single week for months. We didn't study the same passages, but she kept me accountable. We would be like, she would say, okay, how often do you want to get in the word of God this week? What are you working on in your marriage? What's going on in your work life that you need to do? What things are you trying to cut out of your life? Basically, what sins do you keep going back to that God is steering you away from? And every week, her and I would sit with each other, and we would go back and forth like that. She taught me so much about planning and scheduling, and because she, she was really good at that. And she'll tell you that I taught her to pray out loud because <laughs> she didn't like to pray out loud. But we were accountability partners in that, and I realized that I grew in groups. Me, I'm a social person. Not me. I wanted to. I wanted to just do it by myself. Yep. I wanted to talk to God. I didn't want to. I didn't want people to interrupt me. Um, it just. I just wanted to do it. I, I wanted my. I, I wanted to pathway pioneer my own way. I wanted to figure it out myself. Um, so I just. I just figured it out myself. And. Yeah. So. Um, so mine was always with groups. So. What I think was a real gift to Brett and I, and Brett mentioned um, Mark Martin. Um, he was our pastor at the church we used to go to. We went through a discipleship class with him, and every every week, every Sunday morning before church for a year, he met with us and a few other people, and he taught us how to study the Word of God. He taught us little disciplines that he was doing, and it, I didn't realize the gem that that was in my life at that time, but I learned how to journal my prayers because of him. I learned that prayer was an important part of my time. Like It just took me a little deeper into the Word of what I needed to do. And so just even discipling is an important measure. You might have already got this down. You might be seasoned in your Bible study. Find somebody that isn't and take them along with you. And it might just be a season in your life that you're doing that. But us, when I was a younger woman, I wanted an older woman to come alongside of me. But there weren't enough women out there that were willing to step out and do it. So I had to go looking for it because I was hungry. I'm going to tell you older women in the church, now that I'm going to be 50 this year, I guess I'm an older woman. <laughs> Find a younger woman and start discipling her. If you know how to get in the word of God. We need you. Yep. Titus 2 tells us that to train up the women, the younger women in the way they should go. We need more of that. So that is something that can also be happening to you because it also influenced um, me as well. So just... Some real quick nuts and bolts as well. Where? You might set it up in a specific room. You might want a comfortable chair. 
you might want an uncomfortable chair. Right? You might want an uncomfortable chair. Um, At a table, in your car, outside while your children play, on your porch. Um, Like Paige said, scriptures throughout your home or work, space to reflect on throughout your day. Um, I can actually tell you that a creature of habit, if I, what I typically do before I go to bed, my Bible, I put the coasters out, I find the pen, I don't always remember the pen, I lose pens every day, every, all the time, I am literally set my mind, and I know right when I wake up, that's where I'm going. The coffee is going to be brewing, we're going to, I mean, everything's going in that direction because I'm spending a minimum of 30 minutes with my Lord, okay? I have set my mind the night before, already knowing where that discipline is going to happen. Because guess what? It's just part of my rhythm now. And when I don't do it, I I can tell. Um, So I think this is key here, how to start. Um, I think we have some huge advantages in our country and our world today that many, many, many people in the world have never had over centuries past. Um, there's a, there a Josiah in the Bible where there was a period of time where the Old Testament was missed for 60 years. Nobody read the Bible for 60 years. Nobody. They only had one copy, and it was in the temple. And nobody went into the temple for 60 years. So Josiah comes king at 8. He turns to 18, or he turn, he's a king for 18 years. He's 26 years old. And somebody goes, hey, Josiah, I found the Old Testament. What does it say? He didn't know. He'd never seen it. 60 years. Nobody had read the Bible. And so literally he opens it up. He's like, oh my, that's why our community is in such disarray. Nobody's reading the word of God. Everybody, hey, stop. We're going to start reading the word of God as a community. And they started reading the word of God. And guess what? The world changed. Because Josiah led and he basically did not have a Bible app. He did not have an audio Bible. He probably had to travel a long time to get to the spot where the Bible was. Um, but we have Bible apps. We have, Bible, we have physical Bibles. We have audio Bibles. There's really no excuse. The excuse is just the desire, as we talked already. And I have to say, there's a lot, of, a lot of grace. I was there. I've been there. A lot of grace. No judgment. But you can overcome this. You do have the power of Christ that you can overcome the flesh and hear from God on a daily basis. On a regular basis. Pick three days a week. Don't, don't even set yourself up for seven days a week. Pick three days a week. Shoot one day a week. Shoot for some goal that you can achieve to hear God's voice one day. Use an, I, I, and to me, the audio Bible is great. It's a great drive on. Do it while you're driving to work, right? Um, Paige already talked about the, the women's devotional Bible. I used a men's devotional Bible when I studied. Um, I actually enjoyed uh, reading through the Bible in a year. And I actually haven't done it for quite a few years, and I picked. I started doing it again already this year. I love reading through the Bible. I love reading a lot of verses, and the Here Journal um, is a, a great example. I, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, so I'm not going to go into details about the Here Journal right now. Um, but I do want to show you something because I feel like this is something that just to kind of give you an insight. Sometimes it's helpful to see. Well, give me an example of what you just did, guys. This is, this is this morning, okay? So this is, my, this is what it looks like as the week starts. 
I can give you a copy of this. I don't care to share it. I just want to remind people, yeah. this is 28 years in yes. the making. This is 28 <laughs> years of doing this, okay? So. But I want you to see this because this is how God, this is how simple my prayer is. This is how simple it was. I read this morning Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6. And I've basically been reading all through Genesis and Exodus right now. And said, this is, how, this is what I started with, okay? Good morning, Holy Spirit. You are my encourager my comfort, and my strength. Thank you for rest and for today's opportunity. Go before me and Paige as we share all you are doing in the lives through abiding. Forgive me for all too often looking at my limitations and my weaknesses as I face trials and opportunities. And right there, the reason I wrote that verse is because Moses kept, he stopped looking, God said to Moses, go, I'm going to put you in front of Pharaoh. I'm going to do so much work. And Moses kept saying, but I can't, but I can't, but I'm, I can't speak. I can't do this. I can't do it. Moses kept looking at his limitations. And I said, God, I do that too. I do that too. I'm sorry. I do that too. I look at my limitations. You are the one who speaks through me. You're the one who leads. You're the one who teaches. Ultimately, you produce the fruit and you're glorified. Be God. I surrender to you in my heart, my mind, my, be- my obedience, and the fullness of this day. I-, I wrote that down. That's all I did is I wrote my prayer down, very simply. Then I take this thing, I, t- I took a quick summary, because I started learning. Remember, I-, I like to do this myself. I just figured this out. I- I- I'll forget that. I don't remember any of what I- anything of what I prayed. So as the day goes on, I can't remember what I prayed in the morning. And so I write this little meditation thought. When I, when I am weak, you are strong. I surrender to you my heart, my mind, and my obedience. Then, again, this is just daily disciplines I've learned over 28 years. Then I go to my, 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 my brain, I call it, and I actually go to the verse today, today, which is still empty. I wrote on the top, when I am weak, you are strong. I surrender to you, Jesus, my heart, my mind, and my obedience. And now I have that with me all day long. And that's what I take with me. That's how I meditate the word all day long because that's what God said to me this morning in the Bible. And so it's, it, it's, it's, it's relatively simple. It's, it's, it's just a process of, uh, of doing this over and over and over and over again. Um, if you have not heard of Bible Study Fellowship, there's a Richmond class for men's, there's a Newcastle women's class, and there's a Middletown women's class. I they do are, want to say something about that because yeah. Bible Study Fellowship, what I love about it is they bring your kids in with you. So they teach your kids what you're learning. I had my kids singing holy, holy, holy to me when they were two and three years old just because they were learning it there. And so they're learning as I was learning it. And this is where I really learned to go deep in the word of God because they taught me how to go to a deep dive. So, and I did that after a few years, but that was an amazing thing for me to learn. So if you want to learn how to go deep in the word of God and you need accountability at the same time, this is a great group to get a part of. Um, And I know that there are women in here um, I believe, like Michelle Stewart, that is a part of the, the BSF that are going on, and Vicky's doing it too, so it's good awesome. stuff. Awesome, great stuff. Um, I think the thing in this, because we remember we started, if we really ri- wind back as, we were, as we're winding down here, go back to the beginning of this, we talked about trusting the vine dresser, trusting the gardener over your life, trusting the fact that there's 
disruption in your life. There's things in your life that God sees. He knows what season you're in. He's big enough to help you, guide you and through that season. And then there's time with the vine, which is what we just talked about. And guys, we could spend weeks on this. We, there's a lot more in this space and time that we can spend on this and talk about this. Um, the last thing I just want to highlight, this verse just closes it down so well. I think it's just so healthy because um, the last verse, two verses of this passage says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this that you might bear much fruit. And so, who, and so to prove to be my, that you, you prove to be my, my disciples. Who gets the glory? God. Who gets the glory? Why are you producing fruit? Because we're abiding. Now, here's the truth question. Why do I want to produce fruit? Because I want to eat the fruit? Because I want to enjoy the fruit? Because I want, I want, I want, and I start walking backwards again. Right? I want And the reality is, the fruit is not for me. And the longer I go in my life with Christ, and the longer he changes me, and the longer I realize, like, oh, yeah, you're right, God, that's not for me. I'm sorry. Because it's not about mine, it's about his. It's about his glory. And... I think this passage, and I, we'll, we'll end on this, and I'll, I'll, I'll let Paige transition to, to the next thing, but I think the one thing you want to wrestle with is this ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you doesn't mean that once you start abiding that Jesus is a genie in a bottle. Because what starts to happen as you start to wrestle with this and you start to abide you start to recognize that God's the one that is sovereign and good over your life. And he, again, the seasons of the trials you're in, you got to look at that. You got to look at oh, my, because the other thing, why is Eric so, why is Eric so bearing so much fruit and I'm not? It, we, don't, we don't need to be comparing ourselves. We're not, why are we doing fruit inspection? That's not, that's not what it's about. Because seasons are differently. I think that the, the infertility, it was just like, we went through infertility for 12 years. Why does somebody only go through it for four? Because God's story in our life is different than theirs. I can say that now after we've raised, our, our kids are, two of them are adults and two of them are still in the home. And we, we, I can see that. But ask whatever you wish basically comes into the context that you're only going to wish the things that you know God wants. And the closer you get to Abba Father, you recognize, I'm like, yeah, God, I really don't want that in the first place. I only want what you want. And the closer you are to him, God starts to provide. Because, and you can ask that because you're asking what he already wants to give you. That's what that means. So, um, Paige, why don't you close us off on telling what we're offering and uh, the, from a next action standpoint. Yeah, so we've got a, a lot of those. Um, so first off, uh, as we went back through, ask yourself, what season are you in? I think sometimes when you know what season you're in, then you know how to walk forward um, in God's grace. And so ask that. Set your mind and choose obedient that leads to life. 
so if you're interested, Brent and I have um, decided to do a Zoom um, Bible study jumpstart to help you get into the discipline of this. And we have a four-week sign-up sheet right here. And we're doing it via Zoom because we know not everybody can come in at certain times. So it's going to be from 7 to 7.45 um, p.m. On a, on beginning on Monday, February 12th for four weeks. If that sounds like something you're interested in doing just to get a little bit of accountability in your life, get a little bit of direction, it's something that you're needing and wanting, um, you just can come up here afterwards, give us your phone number, um, email address, and you don't have to have a Zoom account for this. You just need an email address, and then we can get you started with that. We have women's and men's group here. Do you know what a blessing that is, <laughs> that we have that? So if you are somebody that learns in the context of other women, please come to those for Wednesday night and with men on Saturdays. Okay, you can see Tony, I think, for that, and then Shelby and Michelle, are you? Yep, Michelle Stewart. So do that. Find an accountability partner or group, whether it's in small groups. Maybe you need one person in your life for a little while to help you with that. But here's the deal. Accountability doesn't mean they let you off the hook. <laughs> accountability means that they're sharpening you. Iron sharpens iron. So if somebody's going to let you off the hook, they might not be the right accountability partner for you. You need somebody that's going to you know, make you, make you better. Uh, read Luke 11 and do the here journals. So with a here journal is something you hear, you're going to see this every week. And this is what um, Tom and Eric's leadership, they have decided that the here journal is a process. It is a little bit, it's very similar to what I do in hearing the word of God. Um, and, but it, it gives you some formula to it. So what we, we're, we're going to walk you through that a little bit clearer in that Zoom call. And we will dive into that deeper. The beauty of this, like I'm reading through the Bible in a year, it really takes about four chapters a day, and you're able to tackle the entire Bible in a year. That's all it takes. But what the beauty of this, uh, the here journal, um, it's Luke 11. So you read Luke 11 seven times. Seven times every single day, you read chapter Luke chapter eleven, and you own and I've I mean I've enjoyed it. I actually it's new to me, but I, I like it because basically you're reading the same. Oh wow! Well, oh God told me that yesterday. He's telling me this today. Why? Because the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's every single time you pick it up, it's different. Why? Because God knows you're different, and He's changing you. That's why. So, and then um, scripture memory, um, again, if this is daunting, if this feels overwhelming to you, come, meet, come see us afterwards and uh, uh, join the Zoom call with us. Um, we're going to give you a deep dive. And I think the biggest thing I'd like to end with um, is just, a, I'll, I'll just end it with a word of prayer, but I want to stop for a quick second. And if you are not a believer, if this is all foreign to, foreign to you and you're like, why is, why do they keep talking about Brett's talking about nailing his ear to a door. Um, don't hear, hear my heart. God loves you. God wants to speak to you. He created you. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what season you're in. He's the vine dresser. You can trust him. But it does take a step of faith. And if that's you today, and you want to come up and have a conversation, we can lead you through that prayer. We can help you find Christ right now. And your, the trajectory of your life will change forever. Forever. Because that's the kind of God. He has a great vine builder, and he wants to graft you into his family, and he wants to bring you in. So let's pray. Father God, you are faithful and good. You are amazing. Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much 
for the winter seasons of our lives. Thank you so much for the budding spring seasons of our lives. Thank you so much for the summer seasons of our lives where we see the grapes ripening. And thank you so much, Lord, for the harvest, for you are faithful and good. We rejoice in you. We recognize you're the vine dresser and Jesus, you're the vine. We're just the branches and God, you're the one that gets the glory when the fruit's produced. So we surrender that glory to you and trust that someday, someday, a harvest will bear fruit and you'll get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.